The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The Read to Lead podcast, episode 58. Hi, I'm Chris Brogan, author of The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. And the good news is you're well on your way because only a freak would listen to this. It's the Read to Lead podcast with my friend Jeff Brown. message of my book is what matters is what happens after you launch not what happens before you launch and nothing that happens before you launch is really relevant welcome to the read to lead podcast with jeff brown jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life then consistent and intentional reading is a must the read to lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors and now here's jeff Hi, and welcome back to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We sit down with a successful and inspiring business book author each week, and we talk about their latest book and depending on their area of expertise, thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. In fact, it's entrepreneurship and business getting the focus this week as we sit down with Dan Norris, who is author of the new book, The Seven Day Startup You Don't Learn Until You Launch. Dan will share the difference between starting a business and launching a startup, the key elements of a bootstrapped business idea, the three things successful startups excel at, and much more. Over the last 14 years, Dan has admittedly failed at a number of businesses, and he says part of the problem is spending so much time on getting them off the ground, so much time in the planning phase. And in his most recent venture that we'll talk about more in a bit, He launched it in just seven days, and it has been a smashing success. Before we bring Dan on, I've got to ask if you're like me and have less time for reading than you'd like. Well, Blinkist has helped me out a great deal. With their free app and my annual subscription, I can glean the main ideas and key insights from my favorite business books in about 15 minutes. In fact, it's great too for books you've already read, but you know, occasionally want to refer back to. I do that often in the Blinkist app rather than trying to, to find the book in my library and the page or concept I'm looking for. I could just go to the Blink inside the Blinkist app for that book and find it so much more quickly as I'm only having to sit through the key insights and main ideas. Now, during the month of October, got a special deal going on just for you as a Read to Lead podcast listener. Again, the app is free. An annual subscription is about $50, but you can save 30% on an annual subscription when you use the discount code Android is here. All one word as they celebrate the launch of their new Android app. Whether you use an Apple device or an Android device matters not. The discount code is Android is here. Good for 30% off an annual subscription. Now, to sign up for that subscription, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash Blinkist. That's readtoleadpodcast.com slash 
Blinkist and get your 30% discount on an annual subscription. Got some more exciting news related to Blinkist and some bonus episodes for the month of October. I'll tell you more about that at the end of today's episode. Dan Norris is a passionate entrepreneur with an obsession for content marketing. I believe it was 250 blog posts he wrote uh, during the first year of uh, the company he launched. We're going to talk about here in just a bit. Last year, Dan was voted Australia's top small business blogger by Australia's largest business magazine, Smarter Business Ideas. He's the co-founder of WP Curve, one of the world's fastest growing WordPress support companies. By the way, WP Curve provides unlimited small WordPress fixes 24-7 for a flat monthly fee. And Dan is the author of the new book, The 7-Day Startup You Don't Learn Until You Launch. Dan, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Well, thanks, Jeff. That was a hell of an intro. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You've written a great book, so it, it calls for that. I uh, I think it's important to point out that that before launching WP Curve, which I which was the sort of the inspiration for what we're going to talk about today, you had plenty of failures along the way, and I'd love for you to share a little bit about you know the lessons that some of those failures taught you uh, over the course of that journey. Yeah, well, I had sort of every type of failure. I had the the failure where you you don't fail so badly that you have to make a change, so you just keep doing what you're doing, Mm. which is like the mediocre success failure. (laughs) And then I had the fall flat on your face failure as well. So I had a a web agency, which I ran for seven years, that was really never never profitable. Um, And I mean, in many ways, that was my biggest failure because it's seven years of my life that I can't get back Mm. and I probably didn't learn enough during that time. And then I had a startup which was an analytics dashboard that I ran for one year and that was the fall flat on your face failure Mm. where I really just built something that people didn't want. That one, it was probably more taxing at the time, but it was only 12 months of my life. And during that 12 months, it was actually a really productive 12 months. And I, as you said, I created a lot of content and I was able to get my name out there and, and use that to launch WP Curve. So it was actually, in a way, a really good 12 months from that point of view. But business-wise, at the end of it, I'd, was ma- I wasn't making a cent. I was losing money and I'd sort of built something that no one wanted. And in t- I mean, in terms of lessons, there there are so many, but I think the, the core is, like the book says, you don't learn until you launch. And if you look at something like the Lean Startup there, that message is all about testing absolutely everything. Mm. And I got obsessed with testing, but I was testing the wrong things. And I think the message of my book is that what matters is what happens after you launch, not what happens before you launch. And nothing that happens before you launch is really relevant. And that's been the big lesson of my my sort of recent recent time in business. I think many of us, and, and myself included, uh, you know, I've always thought of myself as as an entrepreneur. But really, uh, if I define that more clearly, I'm working for myself, and that's not really the same thing. I like the distinction you make in the book between starting a business and launching a startup yeah well i wanted to i mean i I like the word startup because it sort of separates it from working for yourself or running a business and there's i mean there's things about a startup that i think you can have as a a bootstrapped or a self-funded founder even a solo founder someone without a lot of money i don't think you have to choose a path of just working for yourself or just creating a business um which could mean just getting a franchise or doing freelancing I, i think you can create a startup which is something that has high growth and generally pretty innovative and and tends to be a little bit risky um but the the rewards i think are worth it and i think if you can think about how you can go about creating a startup rather than just creating a business and working for yourself then 
um, there's a lot of potential for doing something with much more impact than, than you would if you were just thinking about how can I earn a, a weekly wage that's bigger than my current weekly wage where I work for someone else. <laughs> so ultimately, Dan, what is the goal of the seven-day startup, the book? Describe the journey you want to help facilitate uh, for the reader. Well, I really like it when I get emails that sort of tell me that I've written a book that, that feels like someone else's story. Mm. And I've got a lot of emails like that over the last couple of weeks. I got one yesterday from a guy who's quite well known. He's got a podcast and is sort of a relatively well-known online marketer. But he had almost exactly the same experience as me. He had the same sort of business and he was never really able to grow it. Mm. And I think whether you have an agency or whether you have some other sort of business that you're running where you feel like you're an entrepreneur, but you're really actually not growing that business and you're not creating a lot of impact, then I think you need to make a change. And there's probably a bunch of things about that business that are kind of fundamentally wrong. And it might be easier for you to look at the fundamentals and either launch something else or launch a new service or change your service and do it quickly quickly enough so you can start talking to customers. Um, do the opposite of what you've done before, which is probably talk to a bunch of entrepreneurs and get a, do a bunch of permission seeking and ask people if it's a good idea and you know faff around with payment gateways for six months like I did. And instead of doing that, just go and launch something and then try to grow it, focus on the growth and not, not necessarily on the launch. What are the three things that you feel most entrepreneurs, uh, to use that phrase, are failing at that successful startups excel at? Well, I think the main thing is they talk way too much about ideas. And I don't think the solution to that is not caring about ideas, which a lot of people say, you know, you hear the ideas don't matter, only execution matters. Mm. I think ideas do matter, but good entrepreneurs don't sit around talking about ideas all of their life. At least at least they don't do that while they're working a job. They might do that while they're already running with some other idea and <laughs> while they're building a business, but they don't obsess over ideas like entrepreneurs do. So that's the first thing. I think they probably don't hustle hard enough which is just a simple misunderstanding about what you have to do in business to make it work. You know, you need to work hard and you need to push. Some people push harder than others and there's many ways you can do it. You don't need to be out cold calling people necessarily. You need to do what works and what you need to be doing at the time, but you need to do it hard. And I think listening too much to other people is a problem as well. And there's a time and a place for that. There's Mm. definitely you can learn from mentors, but if you're sitting around talking about ideas and listening to general business advice and trying to, work that into your idea, then I think you're probably going about it wrong. And what you really should be doing is launching and then listening to your customers rather than, I mean, our, my story is, is I've got a good example of that because with my business, I asked everyone if it was a good idea, all of my entrepreneurial friends who I respect, and most of them said it wasn't a good idea. And most of them brought up issues with our business that we were definitely hit that would cause it to, to not work. And none of those issues ended up happening. Mm. Um, and I've done the same thing as well. People have asked me, you know, is this a good idea? Will this work? And I'm like, no, it sounds like a bad idea. Or I'm like, yeah, that would be good. And then it hasn't. It's just, it's impossible to predict. No one understands your business like you do. So you should be listening to your customers, looking at what they're paying for, what words they're using when they're referring your service, how they're behaving, and and not listening so much to other general advice. Now, now prior to, to launching WP Curve, you were at a place where you were exiting a business or shuttering a business. I know you had, a, you had a, a couple of weeks to make some hard decisions, either go back and get a job or execute on, on something. And so your back was sort of up against the wall. Why seven days? Well, I'm not sure what Tim Ferriss says when you ask him why four hours. But <laughs> I, imagine, I imagine he says it doesn't matter whether it's three hours or five hours. 
the, the principles of the book, you know, are that. Right. You know, in, in that case, it's about being ridiculously efficient and spending your time on, on other things. Um, in my case, it's about launching as quickly as you possible, possibly can. I think if you're choosing an idea that is a good idea for a first-time entrepreneur, then you can launch it in seven days. Um, and there's enough days in there to get all the major things done, and I break those down in the book. Um, and it also just happens to be the amount of time I spent launching WP Curve, and um, it's the amount of time I've noticed other people spend you know, trying to be as lean as possible, like someone like Bear Metrics who've gone from zero to just had half a million dollars in funding last week announced in, in I think, less than a year, and they're doing extremely well, and they launched in seven days, and I just thought it was kind of a, a nice way to send the message of launching quickly. And it's also a great, catchy book title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think the um, – I mean, I, I've been talking about this idea of, of launching in seven days – for about a year, well yeah. before I even had the idea of, of writing a book. And we even launched our own online community as a bit, of a bit of an experiment on our side in seven days. That was probably about a year ago. And we got a bunch of signups and eventually we shut it down and it failed, um, which to me is perfectly fine. I, I think it's impossible to predict what's going to work, what's not going to work. And most of what I've done hasn't worked. Mm. But luckily right now I'm in a position where I can work it out pretty quickly and move on rather than kind of take – you know, I've gone from seven years in my first business to one year in my last one to one week in, in my latest one. Well, Dan talks a little bit in the book about the lean startup model. Uh, Dan, share why you feel like that craze in, in most cases doesn't work. Well, I wouldn't say it doesn't work. I, th- I think um, I think what happens with these words is it's sort of like growth hacking. It's like there's a mm. bunch of people around the word that love it so much that, that you know, it just becomes everything. And then there's a bunch of people who aren't really associated with it who hate it because they're not associated with it. <laughs> um, and I mean, I, I, I found the Lean Startup book pretty impactful and I'll, I'll probably talk about that later. But I don't think it was really written for self-funded entrepreneurs and I don't think it was written for first-time entrepreneurs. And I think the examples in there are not really that actionable for first-time entrepreneurs. Gotcha. And I, th- I think I got a lot out of it, but I also – it it almost distracted me a bit in a way. Um, and so I think it's a great book that everyone should read. And I think the Lean Startup as an idea is a great idea. Um, but I kind of felt like it needed something specifically for my audience, which is self-funded entrepreneurs. It needed to be taken down to a level of detail that that book didn't go to. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's sort of what I tried to do with this book, whether it was successful, I don't know, but <laughs> That's yeah. That's what I tried to do. I think I think the validation stuff in particular is one part that I address in the book, which which I think people really obsess over. And to me, there's there's no validation other than customers paying you money. And people get very excited about new things. So if you're validating things based on you know how many people are following you, how many people have opted in, or how many people you've pre-sold, that that may not be an indication of long-term growth. So I think don't get too distracted with the validation side of things, but but the rest of the messages in the lean startup, I think I think are pretty good. Yeah, to to, to that end, uh, you know, we hear a lot about, like you said, validating an idea, uh, pre-selling or, or other means. And you say in the book, there's this huge forgotten void between idea and successful business that validation doesn't account for. Can you share what you mean specifically by that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think it doesn't account for the entrepreneur mm. and. And in a, a self-funded business or a solo business or a small business, um, the entrepreneur is everything. 
And so I think it's not a black and white scientific equation whether or not an idea that gets a certain conversion rate is going to turn into a high growth business. It's more of a case of, you know, whether it's a good idea, whether it's executed well, whether the entrepreneur hustles hard enough, whether it's a good fit between the idea and the entrepreneur, whether they, you know, do a good job at focusing, whether they're able to generate leads via whichever marketing strategy they use. Um, so it's just there's so much that goes on between idea and successful business that is really not scientific, especially when it's when you're self-funded entrepreneur mm. that I think I try to I try to go through some of those things in the book. And, and a lot of it is about that sort of product founder fit where where the founder really needs to be a good fit for that business and they need to have some way of generating leads that kind of gives them a bit of an advantage. Well, like Dan, I used to think I was a slacker if I waited till the last minute to work on a project. Often it was the night before for me. And eventually Dan says he learned to embrace this about himself. Talk, Dan, about what you learned at university about working more efficiently. Yeah, well, my... I suppose I, I used to beat myself up because I I wouldn't do my assignments until the last minute. But um, <laughs> I eventually kind of figured out that really all you needed to do good assignments is a bunch of research and you needed to be able to work efficiently to produce, you know, a few thousand words. So what I would used to do is once the assignment was announced, I'd go and I'd go to the library and print off all of the research that I needed so that part of things was taken care of. So that would take a couple of hours. And then the night before, I could just bury myself in it and pick up everything I needed from that information and do it really efficiently because I had to. Um, and I, my grades went up significantly. And I think there's there's a, probably a few things going on there. There's definitely an element. I know when I launched WP Curve, even last week when I launched the book, it was like just adrenaline the whole week. It was just a crazy week, mm. and it's not sustainable. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it is for some people. It's probably not sustainable for most people, but there is definitely something exciting about it. And I think the like what's happened with the book and like a bunch of people have gone off and they've sort of started businesses after I've put this book out and tried to do it in a week. And there's a bunch of excitement about it that probably wouldn't happen if if you didn't give yourself a really quick time frame to get stuff done. So um, I think it's sort of in a way, it's more efficient. In another way, it's sort of just a bit more exciting. You hinted a moment ago at one of these, a product founder fit. What are some of the other must-haves or key elements of a bootstrapped business idea? Yeah, so the, I mean, the fit between the product and the founder is definitely one of them. And, and another one I talk about in the book is as a unique lead generation advantage. So people People often mention having a competitive advantage, but I think that needs to be broken down more because really your main job when you start a business is to get customers. And if you want to be good at one thing, it's got to be something to do with getting customers. And in my case, it was content marketing, writing blog posts. Mm -hmm. um, in other cases, it's you know door-to-door -door sales or it's networking or it's presenting. And I, I have a bunch of examples in the book, but you need to have something that's unique to you that you can really do better than everyone else to kind of drum up leads um and some businesses like some business ideas will suit that really well and some won't i like businesses that can be launched really quickly obviously otherwise <laughs> i wouldn't have written the book so i think for a first-time entrepreneur that's like a, one of the first things i would look at if you're trying to launch something that is a software app that's going to take you a year to develop then generally i, I wouldn't do that as a first-time entrepreneur um having something enjoyable 
as like daily tasks, like really thinking about what you're going to be doing every day and making sure that's enjoyable. I've started businesses before where I've, they've just had me doing jobs that sucked and um, <laughs> they didn't work because I just didn't like doing jobs that sucked. So it's worth thinking about that. And the last one is having having some kind of recurring or predictable revenue because it just makes everything easier. So I think if you can think about what your skill is or what your business is, is going to be, what the idea is, then how do you turn that into like a monthly service or how do you turn that into something that's ideally going to be recurring or just, just predictable in terms of the revenue? Um, and then you can plan staff, you can plan, you know, in our business, we know next month there's a very good chance we're going to be 10 to 15% bigger than this month. And that gives us an enormous advantage in terms of planning and hiring and marketing and spending money and everything else. And it also enables us to sleep at night. So um, they're, they're definitely a few of the, the key ones in terms of um, what, what to look for in a business idea. One phrase, I come from a radio background, and one phrase I heard until I got sick of hearing it was low-hanging fruit. Heard it all the time in the radio business. So I'm wondering if you could share your thoughts, Dan, on creating something of value for your customers that is a long-term asset versus going after low-hanging fruit, as you say in the book. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's another one of the the things I could have mentioned in the in the ideas in terms of what makes a good idea. I, I mean, you can you can make money from anything, and I think if you're the type of entrepreneur that thinks about making money, then you probably look at things that are easy to make money on. And an example could be like in my case, I was running a web agency. So I used to host people's websites. Um, <laughs> but I was just reselling someone else's hosting and, you know, I was marking it up a little bit. I wasn't really adding any value. And at the end of that, you don't really have much. I mean, you have a recurring list of customers and there's a little bit of a barrier to exit, but it's not really worth anything because right. you don't have any asset there that no one else has got. Mm. Um so that kind of low-hanging fruit, I think it's best if you can avoid it. And if you can start a business where you're building your own, either your own IP or assets of some kind, and it could be just a recurring list of clients. It could be your team. It could be content, your site, your email list. Um, it could be actual intellectual property, like in, a, in case of software or something like that. But if, you, if your business idea is such that you're naturally building an asset as you go, and that's why software as a service is so good because if you start building a software company, that's cool if you get customers early on, but what about three years down the track? You've spent three years developing this thing that you know people want, and anyone else that's coming into that market is going to have to work out how to create that IP. So that's not possible with every business idea, but but it is possible to start thinking about assets and what kind of assets you're building as opposed to just thinking about what you can sell. I feel like we've just touched the, sort of the tip of the iceberg here with the content of the book. I want to uh, get to some questions not directly related to it, but before I do that, Dan, uh, anything else directly from the book that you'd like to make sure we, we leave knowing about today? I, I think that's pretty good. I mean, really, the book just goes into more detail about the things we've talked about and, mm -hmm. and just has more examples. Some of the stories are good, and, and there's, I think sometimes people, like you said, it's it's – like, can you actually launch something in seven days? And in the book, I've got examples of all sorts of businesses from, you know, services businesses through software startups through to marketplaces, um, types of businesses where you wouldn't expect to be able to launch them quickly, but the founders have made the right decision at the right time and they've been able to do that. So I think I think that's that's a key message. And, and the book really just goes into more detail and more stories about about how to do it. 
Well, I can't promise it'll it'll stay at this this price, but at the time of this interview, the book is available for Kindle at Amazon.com for a buck. And so there's no reason not to go out right now and get it for sure. Yeah, well, I wanted to make it free, but they wouldn't let me make it free for more than one week. So it, it will <laughs> stay at that price. Oh, okay. So that's the minimum I can charge. I would give it away for free if I could. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't realize that. Good to know. Yeah, we had. I think we had 13,000 people get it for free. And then there's, now it's getting about... 60 70 or up to 100 a day on the paid but i mean i would rather just give it out to people mm. for free but but amazon obviously want to make a few dollars on it <laughs> well dan among all the leadership lessons that you've come to appreciate uh, during the course of your career if you had to narrow that list down to a single theme or one central idea what what advice would you give i'd probably just say listen to customers and that probably has the uh, ability to be misinterpreted. It doesn't necessarily mean the customer's always right, but I would say that it's important to read leadership books and business books and everything else, but I would say it's more important to either get really good at taking those lessons and, and applying them in your own business yourself and just sort of immediately thinking, actually, that's his perspective. Is that actually useful for me? And then looking at what your customers are doing and whether or not that message is ringing true. Mm. And so I would say listening and watching customers is probably the most important thing. Well, I know you don't have a lot of time for reading uh, per se. Are there any books, though, over the course of your lifetime or your career that, that stand out to you? You mentioned the Lean Startup was one that you enjoyed. Any others? Yeah, I mean, it's not time. I've got obviously the same time as everyone else, and I probably, I kind of feel like I've got a lot of time, but I've, I'm very picky with books. I, anything boring, I'd give up on straight away. Everything, mm-hmm. Anything that I'm just not connected with, I give up on straight away, but the I think the three that I've read with with varying degrees of success, one is The 4-Hour Workweek, and I read that, I think, in two days, which is probably the fastest I've ever read a book. Probably from that, I've got the main message would be just to not trust assumptions. Mm. And I think Tim Ferriss kind of questions everything, and whether it's about how long you have to work or you know whether you can be a, a salsa dancer or whatever he was, <laughs> you know. I think that's that's kind of a core message that comes through in my book that I probably picked up there. Um, the Lean Startup, I found, was incredibly boring as a book to read. Mm. I don't know, maybe the examples were just not suitable for because they were like sort of bigger business examples. Um, but at the same time, I knew when I was reading it that, I, that it was a really important message and I needed to read it. So I think I attempted it like three or four times. Mm. I ended up finishing the audiobook version of it the last few chapters just to get through it. Um, and it was hugely impactful even though it wasn't the most exciting read. <laughs> so, um, and the, the, the lesson there really was just measure everything. And I guess similar to the Tim Ferriss, don't make assumptions, but just measure everything. Mm-hmm. And in the Steve Jobs biography, I think I got a, a lot of entertainment out of it. And I was just fascinated by the story. In terms of actionable stuff, I think probably just making things simple. I think at the time I was designing a site for my old company, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just taking everything out of this and I'm just going to be white and nothing else because I was just like really fired up about his design philosophy and stuff. So, yeah, they're probably the top three. What's next on the horizon for you, Dan? What are you working on that you're excited about right now? Oh, I've got so much going on. It's it's awesome. I mean, I've got a, I've got a brewing business I'm working on, brewing beer, which is just really exciting. I'll probably never, ever make any money out of it, but it's just so much fun. Um, I'm working on a software app with my friend Luke called Helloify, which is – a live chat app, which also lets your team members chat with you at the same time. Oh. So it's sort of, I mentioned Slack before, which we use for the team. Mm-hmm. HelloFi is one you can use on your website for customers, but 
you can also have your team in there. So the team can sort of come in and help customers. You can chat with the team back and forth. So customers end up sort of getting things resolved a lot quicker. Oh, okay. So I'm excited about that. And WP is powering on. I'm meeting my co-founder in a month. I'm presenting at a conference in Bangkok in a week or so. And then going to Hawaii to meet my co-founder. We've got a beer launch coming up. I've got lots of content ideas for this book, and then I'll probably start working on another book because it was so much fun. Well, we are so excited to have had you uh, on the show. We'll be sure and link to uh, the book, of course, that will be available for a buck uh, at Amazon. Also, WP Curve. We'll link to both WP Curve and Dan's uh, Twitter handles as well, so you can connect with him and the company uh, quite easily. Dan, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your day to be with us here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm really grateful for you having me on. It's been fun. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Dan. Again, you can find the links and resources for today's episode, including the books Dan recommended, at the show notes page for today's episode. That's at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 058 for episode 58. Please be kind to our sponsor and visit them and let them know how much you appreciate what they do and maybe check out their app and consider an annual subscription. I'm talking about Blinkist. Read to lead podcast.com slash Blinkist. Use the discount code Android is here for a 30% discount on an annual subscription. Of course, the app for iOS and now for Android is absolutely free. Speaking of Blinkist, we've been talking for a while about the idea of including not just written Blinks inside their app, written business book summaries, but also possibly audio versions of those same summaries. And we're going to be testing something out, Blinkist and I, during the month of October via some bonus episodes of the podcast. Uh, These aren't replacing interviews with authors. These will be in addition to that for the month of October. I'm going to do at least two of them, maybe three. And what I'm going to do is simply pick two or three of my favorite books inside the Blinkist app and share with you right here via the podcast an audio version of those Blinks. Both Blinkist and I would love your feedback on these. We'd love to know what you think, whether it's making something like that a more regular bonus within the podcast or whether or not you'd like to see that functionality added inside the Blinkist app. Would you like the choice between a written and an audio summary? If so, we'd love to know. Again, that'll be two, maybe three bonus episodes where I share a Blink in audio form from the Blinkist app. In fact, I'll go ahead and give you a hint. The first one I'm going to share is a book I'm actually reading right now as part of a mastermind group I'm in, liking the book a great deal, and that is Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull, who's the CEO, president of Pixar Studios. That'll be the first bonus episode coming in just a few days. Finally, if you haven't yet rated and reviewed the podcast, I cannot stress how important this is to helping the podcast get noticed. Would you mind doing that if you haven't done so already? It's as easy as going to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes or readtoleadpodcast.com slash Stitcher. Once you're there, click a star rating, one to five stars, and leave a written review with your name so I know who you are because I'd love to mention you on a future episode. We'd really appreciate it. And again, it goes a long way in helping get the podcast noticed. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for a bonus episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 
Travelling in a frayed out combi On a hippie trailhead full of zombie I met a strange lady She made me nervous She took me in and gave me breakfast And she said Do you come from a land down under Where women go and men plunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder? You better run, you better take cover.